ladies, gentlemen, pimps. Welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It's episode 195, folks. Holy cow pie, we're getting close to 200. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Is that Daniel Finson back in the coat once again to host the best Arsenal podcast in the world? Yes, it is, folks. Yes, it is. I'm back from my sabbatical. I'm an ever-elusive figure, sort of like a tiger is what I would compare myself to. Orange, dangerous, and elegant. Um, and I just basically come around here when I please. So um, we're back, folks. Um, no, in all seriousness, life's just been crazy. The, uh, thank you. Uh, just got a uh, soundbite clap, folks. Um, which, by the way, um, if you hear any awkward silences in this podcast, it's because the boys are putting through sound bites, which you can't hear. So that makes for great podcasting, and I am not used to it yet, so apologies if it stops me in my tracks. Um, but yeah, moved into a new flat, so life's been a bit crazy. Freaking Katie O'Brien, the boss, has been putting me to dang work lately, man. I get out of work, and she's like, we got to do this shit, man. We got to work. Let's go. Um, but now we're back, man. I should be here more frequently. Excited to get underway. We've got a trio, a tremendous trifecta, I may even say, with us today. Um, and we're we're going to just talk Champions League. I'm not going to lead you on to believe that we're going to talk about the previous PSV match because if I were to tell you that's what we were going to talk about, you just would be like, okay, I'm good. I'm not even going to listen to this then. Um, so we're just going to talk about wider picture, round of 16, who we want basically is going to be like a big uh, bit in the setup that I'm really excited for because Mac in particular says he has some unpopular opinions. Spoiler alert. Um Mac is one of the people. But the first guy I'm going to introduce is actually the man, the myth, the legend with the versatile name, Rob Bob Arbert, the man that I so like to call. The <laughs> let's just call him Newcastle. Because I'm I'm just I'm just thriving in the shout and Freud today. I was gonna He's maybe gonna say Eddie Howe or something. He's gonna hate that. I know. But Newcastle, what's up, man? Um, rough day for you. I actually kind of love it because um, the boys will know that I actually wasn't going to be on this podcast tonight because I'm absolutely exhausted. I've driven across the country uh, back home, which Daniel was very surprised to hear. It took me four hours. He didn't think England was big enough for, to have a four-hour drive. But um, here I am. I've made it across the country, and it took four hours. Um, but um, Newcastle losing gave me the energy to say, fuck it, I'm going to record tonight. Um, I was absolutely delighted to see them crash out and it's funny it's it's a real hatred that has uh developed for me it's it sort of mixed in with how much like the media love them reminds me a bit of uh city sort of being portrayed as this, as this hero story last year with with hundreds of millions of pounds poured in um and i now uh i think the question just is now which uh i posed on the, the writers chat before we started who are going to be the uh, love children of the the media for the rest of the Champions League running now that uh, the two lovable northern clubs of uh, Manchester United and Newcastle are gone? It, it surely couldn't be Arsenal, could it? I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled to see that too. That Obviously, that group just coming into it uh, was was so exciting. You know, AC Milan, Dortmund... This Newcastle team and, and PSG is is crazy. Um, and, and every game, basically, in the group was fantastic. Um, I, it was almost perfect, man. Imagine if Dortmund just managed to beat PSG and then the two sort of more cultural heritage 
sort of clubs made it through while the money hungry freaking bozos both went out. But we were close. We were really close. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to see Newcastle finish dead last because, like you said, Bert, now the media are just depressed and you love to see it. Um, Mac Johnson, that's a guy that makes me not depressed. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> that was quite sweet. I enjoyed that one. Thank you, Daniel. Well. I'm very glad. <laughs> good, good. Um, he's the dictionary. He's a celebrity. He's got a mustache. He's drinking a craft beer. How you doing, my Mac? I'm having a blast, Daniel. I'm, uh, you know, I say doing all right. Um, I'm doing really well. It's, it was a, a pleasure to see Newcastle and United fall out of the Champions League. Um, let's call this the AA Cannon podcast for the night um, instead of episode 195, because I think all of us are not on the piss, but do have Bev's, as Daniel mentioned. I do have a craft beer. I think Rob's rocking a Peroni, and the man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Finton, has a beautiful margarita in front of him. A man of class, a man of culture. Um, yeah, happy days. I'll be honest, I didn't watch much Champions League today uh, because I was watching the Arsenal women beat Tottenham in the FA Cup uh, in what was a rather odd match. Arsenal went behind three times despite having about 70% of the ball, equalized three times, and then won on penalties, which was pretty exhilarating, all things told. Uh, we were pretty much playing our our B team, so it was you know, eight Scandinavians and uh, D'Angelo and goal, which was entertaining to watch. We have a lot of white people, which has been an interesting set of discourse around Arsenal women this year. Um, but yeah, just in general, blast of a match. I missed the group of death and the shenanigans that have occurred, but I have been alive and well for the fallout, um, which I'm very pleased about. And yeah, other than that, let's let's kick on. I'm happy to talk Champions League and not talk about that PSV match because there's nothing to talk about. I, I mean, yeah, I feel like, honestly, pimps, we're going to talk about it for like five minutes, probably. And we'll do that now. Get that out of the way. Um, Rob, coming into this game, because I do think there's one particular subject from this match that is very worth uh, talking about um, because it pissed a lot of fans off, basically. And, and I totally understand because it pissed me off, too. Um, coming into it, it was a total dead rubber. It was irrelevant. We were going away from home too. So it did, you, you know, sometimes you get to these irrelevant games, like say it's the last day of the Premier League season and it's at the Emirates, right? Then you almost want the team to like put on a show. It's like, who cares if the game's irrelevant, at least put on a show for the Emirates faithful. But I mean, this was a way it's a dead rubber, this is just a really tricky part of the season. We're in a title challenge. I just did not want to see the likes of, you know, William Saliba playing in this game at all. And then when you couple that with the fact that no kids took any part in the game whatsoever, it just leaves one a bit confused as to why. Um, I know Alfie in particular talks about... Um, the scientists, you know, have this sort of like viewpoint of, oh, well, you know, you only put the players in when they're hot, whatever. That, and that's fine. But I mean, when the game is quite literally completely irrelevant to anything, I just I don't see what the risk is in giving, you know, one of these kids uh, a, a dream debut in the Champions League. And I know maybe it sounds like charity or whatever, but I just I didn't understand it. I know you felt the same way. So walk me through a bit about um, 
how you're feeling about the fact that, you know, literally no kids played in and what could probably be the final dead rubber match of the season. Yeah, yeah, I would completely agree. agree. I think it is the last opportunity that we'll have unless we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup next month and then get a fairly easy draw the following round. But, you know, it's it's still the FA Cup. It's never going to be a, a, a proper dead rubber kind of environment. This was a real opportunity to give some kids a start. But, you know, let, let's first go back to the 11 that we saw. We did see the changes that we asked for. We, we saw we saw eight changes, which is pretty significant. You see the rest of the big boys left in the competition. Um, City aside, uh, you know, we, we saw Real Madrid and Bayern also play on the same night of us, as us. And they played very strong teams. Um, you know, we didn't play a very strong team, but we, we played a competitive team on the night. Uh, it was good to see Reese Nelson get some running in his legs. Uh, seems quite strange that every time he comes on, he looks so explosive. And I think the word is for me really is electric every time he comes on. And weirdly, he's he's not getting much football at the moment, <clears throat> even though he was quite dependable last year off the bench. Uh, you know, the, the screamer against Bournemouth aside, uh, you know, he, he was a reliable option. Um, so yeah, that's a weird one and an interesting story to keep an eye on. But yeah, the the big talking point is the use of the youngsters, and it. I think it's even more of a stinger from a fan's perspective because I think the media were even briefed before the game saying, "Oh, we're going to see the likes of Ruel Walters make his debut," and then he didn't make his debut, and then I think the chat then was like, "Oh, he's going to get some minutes in the second half." He didn't get minutes. Um, yeah. Eh. I know that uh, Mikel Arteta is a man who likes to do things a certain way. Um, but yeah, this was just a, a real opportunity. You know, even that that um, late sub of bringing on Jesus for for Nelson. I think that's the one that's caused the most infuri- infuriation among, among Arsenal fans. Uh, and I totally understand why, you know, you can bring on and uh, Winery or even Walters for his official debut but you know you're breaking all sorts of records if you do something like that isn't and isn't that something great to boast about and something that I said to you boys before we started is just the precedent that this sets and how it will make a load of the other kids in the academy feel you know we're, we're so blessed Arsenal Football Club to have a brilliant brilliant academy it's you know one of the best in the world and you see these ridiculous talents coming through but you also see uh in this day and age that youngsters are braver than ever before and they're prepared to go abroad if they have to or force for a move to a club that they see a proper pathway at and i think moments like this are real opportunities for arsenal to show you know we are much better now and we're going to be in title races which will mean less opportunities in you know the league but in these games, we are prepared to give chances. And yesterday, starting someone like Cedric Suarez, who, you know, has effectively left the club. Uh, I, I I bloody watched him play against Exeter City, uh, Exeter City being a League One team. He was playing for the under-21s to get some football in his legs. I watched that about two months ago, that he was effectively exiled. And now he's here starting, you know, Champions League games ahead of a, a youngster who's been at the club since he was a kid, a youngster who has six months on his contract and has huge potential in Ruel Walters. And 
yeah, you start a guy who's almost or not almost definitely definitely leaving the club in six months. It's it's baffling. Um, but yeah, a frustrating one. Uh, and I I just think all Arsenal fans will hold that sentiment. I'm not sure what more really there's to be said on it. Not much. I mean, I, I think you pretty much said most of what needed to be said, my man. Um, but yeah, it's just frustrating. I, I mean, because like even El Nene starting, for example, I could come to terms with it because he's just such, you know, one clearly a positive figure in the dressing room. He's he's just been at the club for such a long time that it's kind of like, you know, I mean, we after all gave him this contract that he's on now with an injury to kind of preserve him so he can actually get a good move to a top club uh, well you know what i mean um a decent enough club um for for his next move so that was fine uh seeing him on the pitch i mean it's it's not ideal but i, I could live with it but yeah mac i mean seeing seeing the likes of cedric in an arsenal shirt and then once again the one that, that really just sort of annoyed me a bit was also william saliba playing again i mean william saliba we, we uh you guys were touching on it in in a previous podcast this is a period that he kind of struggles in. It seems like this winter period, maybe he's just refinding his legs or something. Um, so why not just give him a break? Why not let him take some time away and give a young guy a chance? And worst comes to worst, we lose. We get our butts kicked. Who gives a crap? I mean, it doesn't even matter. Um, but I don't know if you had anything to add about that. But but I, I think there's also um, there, there's some positives. I like the fact that, that Nelson got his chance, and, and I was impressed again. This is a player I rate. I rate Reese Nelson. I've said it for a while, and I don't understand why he doesn't get more chances. I mean, we cry, we cry, we cry. Oh, we need a winger. And then Reese Nelson just doesn't get minutes. Um, and then it was great to see Aaron Ramsdale get his Champions League debut as well. But yeah, anything, uh, any positives you got, Mac, and then just any thoughts on the general um, discourse of uh, the, the young guys not taking part? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thoughts on it all, Daniel. I first of all, I would like to note that Saliba's substitution um, for Declan Rice or Ben White, I think officially for Ben White, but realistically for Declan Rice, uh, is the first minutes that he has not played the full ninety in the Premier League or the Champions League this entire season. Um, first time he hasn't played ninety minutes in those competitions, and that's a big deal. And, you know, if you look at our back line and what in what's going to be a pretty big run in, we have, as we've been talking about for a month now, fitness issues, not enough people. And that Mikel Arteta chose to try out Declan Rice at center back in a position where he is very comfortable and has been throughout his career, I thought was an astute move. But I've seen a lot of, you know, maybe hand in hand with some of the Emery revisionism that we're going to get on Twitter after this Villa loss. I've seen a lot of complaints about the use of the youth players and how it compares terribly to Emery's time. And, oh, my God, wouldn't, you know, imagine the one tweet that's really been going nuts is like, imagine if Bukayo Saka had played for Arsenal when or if Arteta had joined instead of Emery in 2018 or whatever. Wouldn't he be terrible now? It's stupid shit, really. But at a certain point. I don't know. Um, I do agree with what Rob said about setting a precedent. I would certainly have liked to see Rural Walters start over Cedric Suarez. Um, the Jay-Z sub, you know, I'll, I can take, I suppose. it's You don't necessarily need to bring on your star striker in the 87th minute in a match you're fine ending in a 1-1 draw. I know Arteta hates to lose. That doesn't necessarily matter. I just... I think the discourse about this whole thing has been 
a little bit blown out of the water. It is a baffling decision, and I'm never going to kind of say otherwise, because we as fans very much wanted the youth players to start and wanted to see fresh faces and, you know, young talents. And as football fans, it's always a joy to have, you know, talents for the future, prospects bringing up, people to be excited about. Um, and you're, you know, naturally it's going to be compared to the Man City game today where they started whatever his name is, Hamilton and Oscar Bob, who is a Norwegian player. I don't, ridiculous. Frankly, though, at the end of the day, they started those players through pure necessity. They started those players because they're playing Red Star Belgrade and, you know, they don't have enough depth and they have to play youth players. It was the same reason why we gave such prominent minutes to Joe Willick and Bukayo Saka originally under Emery and even Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah and Balogun to an extent. All of the players who are now kind of core pillars of our squad and those who we've sold for fees started through necessity, not through a choice to play youth. I mean, that's at least my opinion. I think there are sides, you know, you can argue it either way. But outside of Rural Walters, I didn't see many, like, a youth appearance in the Champions League is a nice feather in your cap. But at a certain point, I don't really, other than Walters, see a case where it's like, yeah, this player 100% should have played for whatever reason, right? Um, you know, and maybe Cedric's starting because Kia Jarabchian is his agent and there's some sort of fee associated with whatever and it's just like, let's get the big asshole off our back and play his player once. I mean, it's literally, it was that and I think... Brentford in the FA Cup or League Cup or whatever was his only other appearance of the season, right? That can't sit well. I don't know. Um, I think at the end of the day, it was enough of a dead rubber that Arteta could have experimented more, but I think we are steadily discovering that that is not necessarily his style. Um, that's not necessarily his MO. And for those who are kind of doubting him or suggesting that he is mismanaging this club based off of one instance in one match, um, I would ask you to examine that assertion a little bit based off of where he's brought us as a team. I think everything in this fan base is overblown, typically. I think this is one of the more tangible examples where I might say, yeah, I agree with you a little. But at the same time, I think the uproar has just been... It's, it's all been a bit much for what really is a game that didn't matter at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I, I have to totally agree for sure. But I'm almost inclined to believe that it's sort of an irrelevant topic of discussion because nothing went wrong. If William Saliba got injured, I think this would be a hell of a lot different of a discussion. You know what I mean? And I'm, my, my concern with it is we've recently said this with regards to Bukayo Saka leading up to Manchester City. Why did Saka not rest? Oh, look, there you go. Got injured right before we played against the best team in the world. That's always been sort of my concern, and that's where where my sort of worries lend into, uh, you know, uh, lead me to. But I guess it doesn't really matter that the young guys didn't take part. I mean, because it would really just be sentimental, to be totally honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's not super super important, really. We move on, and we're we're out of the group. Um, Rob, one thing I just kind of was thinking about though is we only won one of our away games in this group, um, which is kind of, kind of weird, you know, to, to, to think about. Um, 
obviously the the last one it is worth noting was this one against PSV, which is was a total dead rubber. And I think just from the look of PSV, I think if we had a better team on the pitch, we probably just would have absolutely spanked them again. Um, but it is, you know, I think food for thought that this is such a young team, and and you know some of these European atmospheres they may struggle with a bit. And, you know, some of the teams that we're going to be talking about here shortly that there's a potential to face against in the round of 16. And I think we should get into that bit here pretty shortly just because there's a, there's a few teams and a, and a few super serious uh, topic topics of discussion, I think. Um, these, these can be atmospheres that sort of uh, get under our player's skin, I think, because, you know, I know it's a bit annoying for us, the fans, to hear it all the time, uh, all the pundits saying, oh, Arsenal's overly emotional and and all of this whatever because i do think it's overblown but i do also think it's true to a certain extent i mean you you look at the way that we played against lawns away from home as opposed to how we played against them uh yeah uh, as opposed to how we played against them at the emirates and two different teams man i mean honestly you could tell that atmosphere kind of shell-shocked us a bit um so I guess just 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 with that being said, do you have any concerns going into the round of 16? I mean, no matter who we play against, or is this something that you think is just going to keep coming to a game by game? I mean, because these guys have so many difficult away fixtures, even in the league. I, I think I'd probably be more concerned if we didn't uh, dispatch uh, the team's uh, you know, the, in the group that we played at home so convincingly. And I think that's what the Champions League is all, all about, kind of when, you know, it's not a competition that I'm particularly familiar with as an Arsenal fan. And, you know, my, my when I've been a more intellectual thinker about it. But I think it, it is about when when you're going away from home, yes, you can have these famous away nights at the Bernabeu and the San Siro, and we've had a lot in our in our history. But I think it's all about keeping it to these these tight margins. The, if, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose 1-0, you're going to lose 2-1, you're going to lose, yeah, just 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 don't concede much. And, you know, we, we didn't concede much at all. That, that game against Lons, they scored two brilliant goals. Um Severe, uh, you know what it's like in that ground. The ball just got sucked into the net, and then we the goal we conceded in this game. It was quite even though we had uh, Gabriel and Saliba back there. We we were experimenting a bit with things back there. Saliba was playing a little bit wider, uh, which he's not quite so comfortable with, and Gabriel's not comfortable playing so central. So you know it's good that we experiment. We just decided to experiment a bit with that if we need to use it later on in the season. Um, but yeah, I think just how convincing we've been at home fills me with a lot of hope. Obviously, uh, you never know what team you're going to get in the round of 16, uh, which is you know what, what we're about to get into. And a few of those teams would scare me more than others. And I don't disagree with you at all, Daniel. I think this is a team who is influenced by atmospheres, but... I don't think this is a team that is influenced by an atmosphere in so far as they go to the Etihad and lose 4-1 and a 3-0 down at half-time like last season. I think this is a team that uh, is is perhaps rocked in the first 10, concedes one and shuts up shop um, or at least does something to real, really take a grip over the game. Um, so yeah, I think this is a team that has improved in that aspect this season. 
Um, but yeah, definitely something to be worried about. I, I don't think uh, we have any idea whatsoever how this team is going to perform going away to a to a huge stadium. Uh, and you know, we we could be going to to one in particular where we would be particularly particularly nervous if if we went to. And I think we all know which one I'm talking about, which which is Paris. I mean, that would be absolutely terrifying for these lads going to play in front of those ultras coming up against Kylian and Mbappe. It would be a great experience, but it would be scary. Uh, you know, I, and we'll talk a, a bit uh, bit more about PSG and depth here shortly. But yeah, I mean, I, I know I was just dogging on them a bit earlier, PSG, but, you know, to be fair, their fans are absolutely mag- magnifique. Um, they're, they're so scary. You do not want to play there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get into that, uh, basically now, um, because what the heck's the hold up? Why not? Um, did just want to touch quickly on the Eddie and Ketia goal. Eddie's a guy that we get a lot to, uh, get on a lot to in this show. I thought his finish was absolutely fantastic. I love those goals. And, uh, Alfred Kosha is going to assassinate me. Fantastic work from Cedric down the right <laughs> to, to find uh, good old, uh, you know, it was, uh, it feels like an age ago. It was, it was Reese that found uh, Eddie, right? Yeah, it was a lovely little okay. one-two yeah, between Reese and Cedric. It's brilliant as well, because I was screaming at Cedric to play the, like Reese kept playing it to him and running into his space for the one-two probably missed him five or six times, kept passing it back and back and back. And the one fucking time he hits him, we score. And it, oh, anyway, Cedric's a bum. I don't and care El, what says. And El Nenny almost scoring an absolute screamer. <laughs> listen, listen, the, the Thursday night in Yesta, the Pyramid Pirlo, all right? This boy, this boy scores European screamers. We've been new. Um, That's, and you're right. As long, as, long as he doesn't, yeah. Yeah. The little drop of the shoulder as well oh, before he took the shot was <laughs> Martin Erdegaard's gonna be looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Brilliant. So true, man. Oh, Gotta watch man. out for Mo, big Mo. All right. Well, let's get into this bit. Um also, boys, here's real professional podcasting. Um do do we have a time on this? Do, what what do we even have? Minute one. I don't even Yeah, so if, I if think... you if you, you click the on the on the chat in the corner, you'll be able to see. But we started at quarter past. Okay, beautiful. There you we're go. Doing some, okay. Yeah. We're on a new program, folks. And as you know, I'm 79 years old, so I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm recording on my flip phone. Um, let's uh, let's get after it. Um, this is an exciting bit. Matt got me proper excited for this because I thought it was just going to be really basic, and we all just had the exact same list. But turns out we're not. Um, I think for entertainment's sake, though, boys. Um, so first of all, there's seven different teams we can play against. Um, we'll go one at a time. Why not? I, I think it would be lame if we each lame, uh, named our our lists in their entirety. Let's go one at a time, have some debates along the way, and see where it lands us. And maybe maybe we'll even decide a definitive Arsenal Cannon podcast set of rankings as to who we want to actually play in the round of 16, folks, of the UEFA Champions League. God, that feels so good to say, man. Oh, um, okay. So, Mac, I'll, I guess I'll pass it over to you, my man. I, I, I guess I could just say who I, who I really want to play um, as my first and foremost. But, uh, but I'll let you start. And uh, so you say yours. I'll say mine. Rob says his. If we all agree, Mac, you could say why we all agree. We'll move on. 
If there's any debate along the way, though, we'll have to figure it out. So give me who you got, man. Uh, possibly an unpopular opinion. There are going to be a few of these for me. The team I would like to play most is Lazio. I don't want to play Lazio. That's entirely uh, fair. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Rob, what, what, what do you think about that? Hmm. Uh, again, would rather not play Lazio. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think they're a team we could beat pretty comfortably at home, but I just watched an away days video of their atmosphere. Oh man, dude, yeah. that shit cooks. Well, that's, well, that, that, Stadio that, Olimpico. Jesus. Yeah, it's big. Um, anyway, Daniel, what about you? Who, who would you, or actually Rob and Daniel, who would you yeah. most well, like? We probably play? went with the same. I went with Copenhagen. Rob, is that who you went with as well? Yeah, I went for Copenhagen. Yeah. I just think, I, what I, why I would love Copenhagen so much above all else, to be honest, I don't know much about Copenhagen at all. I know Matt could probably name their entire starting 11 and each of their children's names, but I, <laughs> I really would like to beat a team that gave Manchester United a bunch of troubles just to show the world just how terrible Manchester United is. Even though they all know, I really just want to show them even more. I and like I, that. You know, and I, I just think that Lazio away is just, it, it's hard, man. It's really, really hard. And we're going to, basically, from these seven, they're all hard. So all due respect to Copenhagen, because they'd also be extremely difficult to play against. They're in the round of 16 of the Champions League, for Pete's sake, beating Galatasaray and, and Manchester United, getting through in a group that had Bayern Munich in it, for crying out loud. So... I mean, none of them would be easy, but uh, I, I, Lazio, not for me, man. They, they're, I think they're solid, um, okay. even though their league form is pretty well, diabolical. I'm guessing you said this, Matt, because Lazio are 10th, 17 back in, in the Serie A. Not <laughs> at all, As per the grid actually. that he's, he's shared with us. <laughs> no, that's, that's not my reasoning. Um, my reasoning for Lazio is a little more emotional than that, I would argue, in two ways. One, um, I want to put some respect on Copenhagen, not only for their Champions League performances, but because they are a squad of players who you look at it and, you know, I know probably more than most, but you don't know many names. Um, the most recognizable to us is probably Mohamed El Yanusi, who played for Southampton for a little bit. Like, outside of him, there's very few. And I've watched a lot of them just because, you know, I've watched a bit of Champions League and they continue to beat Manchester United. So I've kept watching their games. Um, they're well drilled. They're well coached. It's a hell of an away atmosphere. All of these places are really. But the reason I want to beat Lazio to really get onto them. Um, they're a good team. They're a fun team. Um, but I am of the opinion that the best way to really get over that Lund's defeat and to really test ourselves in a shit away atmosphere is to go play in a shit away atmosphere like at a certain point if we can break that duck against a team like Lazio and this is the other emotional part um their ultras have one of the most racist histories in the entirety of Europe they're a really shitty group of humans and I remember a few years back in the Europa League when we got drawn against Slavia Praha Slavia Prague um after their their player had just been suspended for racist things towards um a former arsenal player who had played for rangers at the time um i just remember i there have been a few times where i've seen us as a fan base and as a you know club even really just united to fuck off against one team that had done something horrible and 
Lazio represent a lot of that for me. So that again, it's more emotional, but also I think there is something to be said for I think we beat every team on this list at home. But in terms of away days, if we're going to have to prepare ourselves for a big run, better sooner than later that we come up against something difficult and have to kind of persevere through. I also think Copenhagen, who, spoiler alert, are second most on my list, are just, they're tricky, their tactics, um, you know, suit, I guess essentially suit our game less. They're, likely, they're less likely to play open. They're more likely to just sit deep and suck. So, yeah, uh, that's why Lazio is first for me. Some good fans as well, to be fair. Wouldn't be an easy away day at Copenhagen. No, no, no. I, d- I definitely don't they want love to a, they, lo- they love a flair, do Copenhagen. They love a flair. Yeah, uh, well, geez, Mac knows what he's doing, trying to get me off si- uh, onside, offside, um, onside by saying, yeah, we could beat the fascists. Dude, that's how to get me on board. Um, that would be great, to be fair. Um, and again, I'm sure Rob's the exact same. Rob, I'm assuming Lazio is... is uh, is your number two as well, right? Yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. right down there, along with with Porto. Um, I think, yeah. you know, those would be. And again, Porto would be. Is, is Porto the communal number three? Of curiosity, I That's think right. so. Actually, yeah. I, th- I think similarly to Lazio, and you know, continuing your argument there, Mac, that would be a. It would be a, another real tough place to go. Uh, some. Some passionate fans. I mean, this is a round of 16 Champions League game. Every away game is, is going to be tough. And it, it's easy to forget how tough that atmosphere was in Spain for Sevilla. Uh, we, we did manage to get one win in the group, even though it was a bit squeaky bum. Um, but yeah, we, we did get one over the line. But uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe a tough test in that regard wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for us before having to play in front of the empty head in a, a few more rounds time. <laughs> I think that Porto could really, uh, Port, yeah, Porto's third for me, like like we said, um, Porto's third for all of us, apparently. Um, I think they could really provide that thing that Lazio was saying, uh, that Mac was saying about Lazio, just because, like, they have, they're like, they're European royalty, essentially, you know what I mean? They're they're like, they're a, a very big legendary te- uh, team, and I think that, that our club would, would really benefit a lot from from beating them and i think that would really instill a lot of confidence yes we're a lot better than them but beating a team the size of porto and knocking them out of the champions league i think would really fill us with a lot of confidence but look i, I it's kind of funny because i feel like we're going to go down this list all the way down through seven and we're going to be saying the same exact thing for all of them because it's just they're all going to be absolutely ridiculous atmospheres um i know we've got a german team in in here though that's probably coming up pretty soon that uh that mac johnson's probably got uh, uh, uh quite a bit of stuff to say but um yeah just with regards to to all of these teams i think i think copenhagen porto and and lazio i would be absolutely thrilled in the grand scheme of things with any of them because a round of 16 draw against any of those guys i think is why you want to try to win the group. Um, and that could be famous last words, of course. We've seen it before with, with teams other than us, too. Um, but, you know, you see it every year with guys like Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, these guys that win their groups consistently. They get to the round of 16, then they play a team that is just nowhere near as good as them, and they just, whoop, there you go, bye-bye. Um, and then they're, they're on to the next. I should also mention that the last reason I didn't have Copenhagen first is because City will draw them, and that's a guarantee at this point. So, you know, 
they draw them them or an equivalent every goddamn year. So I kind of was just operating under the assumption that we would not get them and we move. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, let's. Uh, I feel like there's, uh, and I mentioned Real Madrid there too. They seem like another one that just always gets the worst possible team in the round of 16. They just have signed an agreement with the Champions League to just get garbage teams early on in the competition. And it looks like City have signed that agreement too. Um, I think that's all we could really say about first through third then genuinely, considering we're all pretty much in agreement. So, Mac, I'm sorry to do this to you, buddy, but two beats one. So we're going to go with Copenhagen first. Uh, Lazio, Lazio second, Porto third. To be honest, those could go. I, I feel like t- genuinely Lazio and Porto for me, those can be flip flopped. I think that's pretty close. Um, but Lazio's league form is just what made me go ahead and, and put them above uh, Porto in terms of who I'd prefer to play. Now I'll move on to number four, and uh, this is the one that I feel like Mac Johnson would maybe have quite a bit to say about. Um, I went with Red Bull Leipzig for my fourth. Um, any any disagreements there, or, or what did you what did you guys have? I also had uh, RB Leipzig. I just think, and Max smiling. Um, I you know that's not me having much information about Leipzig, but uh, historically in the Champions League, uh, you know they they tend to come up against City pretty early uh, and and bow out. Um, yeah, I, it wouldn't be one of the, the the sides that I particularly feared. I think we'd go into it as as very much favourites. Um, and you know, looking at, at the rest of the teams, perhaps you know I, I don't know a load about them. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, but yeah, just just in terms of the, the, the stature of the club. Uh, the difficulty of the away day, it would be one that I think I would prefer. You know, even though uh, they are often branded as soulless, they do have some quite passionate fans. Um, yeah, it would be right up there for me as, as an option. Well, um, again, I, I mentioned, I think, earlier that there might be some con- controversial takes in this section for me, and this is where we begin them. At number four, I do have Inter Milan. Um, you are you are fucking crazy, Mac. I'm, what the I'm, hell, man? I'm I'm not and what? Me, I'm not and let me explain. Why. Okay, all right. Um, what? Yeah. Okay, all right. What? First of all, let's just let's let's set it from the time right. The four teams remaining to point it out to people who don't know is Inter, Napoli, PSG, and Leipzig. Um, yeah. Inter are, are the middle of the pack for me. First of all, because they will be without Marcelo Brozovic when we play them. Um, second of all, because their attack this season is entirely contingent on Marcus Turam and Lautaro Martinez scoring goals. And I think we have the capability to absolutely nullify those two. And third of all, because Don't sleep on my boy, my boy Alexis. Listen, age 36. Hey, hey, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about 36-year-old Alexis. Um, I would like to see Alexis Sanchez cry. I, listen, I have a that lot a of admiration. True. I have a lot of admiration for this Inter team. I like them a lot. I've also watched them a lot. They look nothing like the UCL final team of last year. Um, they've gotten worse in a lot of areas. They're honestly pretty slow. They struggle to create chances. And if you get in behind their wingbacks, they dissolve. Um, they're well coached. They're well drilled. 
they can be fun. I find them a little bit stodgy. Frankly, they don't scare me that much, and the Sansiro is not a scary away day right now, um, especially compared to the other three. I, if there's of of the remaining four teams, I trust us to beat Inter the most. I think they're honestly the easiest draw, um, out of those four. You know, league position, regardless. I, I, I don't know. I just they feel the most winnable to me. Um, and again, it's because I've watched a lot of them, and I don't have faith that they have an ability to get very far in this competition. I truly don't. Like, they'll always be competitors. They'll always be good. But I I think they're the most beatable out of the four. And mind you, the incredulity that's happening here is going to continue as this goes on because my takes are... My takes... I'm like the the the, the, youth, the glasses in the... Whatever, it's the Pitchside podcast. The one where everyone hates, like, Tom Garrett and them. With, oh, uh, Lewis, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the Newcastle fan. I, yeah. I'm not going to be as bad as him, but... The takes are the takes are going to be similarly hot as we continue through this. So, so okay, know. so you know, yeah, you're, Mac, you're mental, by the way. I, Going, you, just, I you you can you can tell me, oh, the San Siro isn't it? It's the fucking San Siro. Like I mate. understand, but also listen. Maybe that's half the reason I want to draw them because I would want to see Arsenal play at the San Siro in its last legs. Right? They're going to a new stadium soon. They're renovating the entire thing. That's sick. But also, I don't know. I I I find them in terms of the football I've seen them play more beatable than most. Uh, okay, uh, while I I actually agree with you because I actually have watched a few uh, Inter games this season, and and that is one thing that stands out to me is they are very very Italian. You know what I mean? Um, and that's honestly Mac Johnson worries me because I don't like the idea of playing an Italian national team of a club. Um, those teams scare the shit out of me because those are the ones that sneak into Champions League finals pretty frequently. The ones that you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, they look pretty slow. They rely on this guy, this guy. And then they somehow... Yeah, they had the world's you know? easiest run last year. Remember the, on, the, on the, like, that side of the bracket, it was like Milan, Napoli, and True. Inter and five shitters. I think at a certain point, I don't trust them against good competition. And we are very good competition. No, and, and fair enough. And I think, you know, I think you could even look, you know, at, at something like the World Cup. And you, you got to look at Lataro Martinez's performances in the World Cup. When the spotlight was on him, he freaking panicked. He did. Um, so, so I, I kind of see. What, oh, yeah. What like he doesn't, he doesn't scare me in the slightest. He's, he does. Actually, Durham nah. scares me more than him, I, to be totally I, honest. I, I, just, I just can't <laughs> wait until Chelsea sign him and he flops completely. Yeah, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. Um, so, all right, but but but, wow, I can't believe that, Mac. That is that is a hot take, man. So, surely you have. Well, I guess. Okay, so see, here's the thing. Here's the thing for me. For me, for me, Napoli and Leipzig, they were kind of a toss up because I, I think we're pretty capable of beating each of those teams as well. Actually, um, I think that Napoli. I got. I have a buddy at work at, at the new job who's actually a Napoli fan, which is weird in the United States. Um, but cool. I mean, you know, cool. Napoli's a cool club. Um, they do not look at all like the team that they looked last season. Speaking of teams that don't look the same, I mean, oof. I mean, they got a new manager now, and stuff's still not going great. Um, so, so that was that was difficult for me, but I still went with Leipzig just because. You know, you could you got to look at Aussie men always, man. 
you always have to look at a guy like that. So, Mac, I guess, you know, you just gave us Inter. Rob and I each had Leipzig for, this is number, right, we're on four. So who's your, who's your fifth, Mac? I, I have the two Italian teams back-to-back. It's also Napoli. Um, yeah, they are good, not as good as they were last year. Defensively suspect. Um, they honestly, they scare me more just because of one thing that Rob said in the chat that is kind of, I, it's a line of thinking that I agree with. And it's that the champions league is a moments competition. Um, Napoli, despite not being the greatest in terms of buildup, have a really scary rostrum of forwards. Uh, and if they, you know, if we play, for example, Alexander Zinchenko, they have a lot of very good, very quick, very direct players off the right that I think could cause us problems with Osimen in his favorite, like little left back post space that he loves. Um, do I think we can contain Victor Osimen? Yes, I do. Um, frankly, would I also like Victor Osimen to play for my club? Yes, I would. But I just think, in terms of who I see is more likely to be able to create chances and really cause us problems, it's Napoli over Inter. Just uh, that was pretty much my thought there um at the yeah okay. and also because uh the estadio de diego armando maradona is a really really crappy place to have an away day like lazio and them are scary the san siro's got history but napoli is rabid um oh yeah prob- people get killed people get killed there man i'd say <laughs> like, of, of, of the seven they're probably the scariest away day to me and they still don't scare me as much as the two teams i have second to last and last so yeah all Who'd right. You guys, uh, who did you guys put fifth? Yeah, Rob, what'd you got for fifth, my man? I I had Napoli, like I said. So for me, it's uh, I I I've got Napoli there, but for me, it is a real toss up between Napoli and Inter Milan. Um, I and if for me, uh, I'm probably going to stick to the line of argument I made in the chat that Mac just alluded to about the moments players. I looked through that roster of uh, uh, Inter players. Not many of them jump out at me. You know, they've they've still got Barella, but you know this this guy is a you know sort of number eight type profile. Um, not not a guy who's you know sending shivers down my spine because he's going to be terrorising our backline. It's more he's a just a brilliant player to watch. Um, whereas Ossie Man just scares the shit out of me, man. Um, like I, I agree. We we've got two of the best centre backs in the world who, on their day, can contain any striker in the world. We saw that with with Haaland. Uh, you know, Saliba is very comfortable playing Haaland, or at least has been whenever they've come up against each other this season. But this is a player who, out of the blink of an eye, can play shit for eighty eight minutes of the match, have a two minute cameo of brilliance, and there you go. Somehow they get lucky. He gets a couple of goals or even just one goal and it flips the tie. We saw it. Uh, you know, one always stands out for me. And it's a classic game. Um, Arsenal Atletico in the Europa League years ago. Uh, and we we dominated the shit out of them. And this was in a bad Wenger stage. Um, we, we were dominant against them. They were down to 10 men. And then they just have Griezmann turn up and score at the end because he's that calibre of player and was then. Um, so, yeah, I would just prefer to stay away from the likes of Osimhen and Mbappe until we absolutely have to play them. 
Yeah, those those players always make me nervous too, man. Um, one good thing about playing Napoli is we could tap up Ossiman, um if we do play them. So maybe put them at the top of the list. Um, but yeah, that's I, I love that that you said in the chat, by the way, Rob. So true about the moments. Yeah, the this this stage of the competition is just so about moments because goals are so so heavy and so important. Um, I. Again, like Mac, though, I think we could contain Aussie men. Um, but, but again, like you said, man, I don't want to play an A-list freaking uh, striker. Um, especially not one that's trying to get a move um, <laughs> anytime soon. Let's save them for later on in the competition. Yeah, it would not be fun, I don't think, to play against a striker that's effectively doing auditions for your club. Um, because that could could end pretty, pretty poorly. Um, but okay, so... What are we going to go with then for a, so Rob, you went with that, but Rob, I think you and I have the exact same list. You put Napoli fifth as well. I'm, I'm going to stick to what I said. I think I should put Inter Milan fifth and Napoli sixth. Oh, I think I oh, should Inter, do sorry, that. sorry. Inter, Inter, okay, gotcha. I think I was thinking I was going to do that, Dan, and be the same as you, okay. but for yeah. controversy's sake, so, let me. So let me we can't that. we can't say who five is because we don't know because that's we've each got different things. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we can't. We can't make a definitive judgment on it. And, and folks, I mean, that's probably who will end up. Um, all right. Let me, let me get into why I don't want to play these last two guys on my list. And it's Inter Milan and PSG. Um, PSG is obvious. We don't want to play against Kylian Mbappe. We do not want to play in Paris. Um, that's not even... I, I feel like Paris is like the, the worst possible one. Because though it would be like a statement to get through against them, they don't quite have that like legendary status in Europe. So it wouldn't quite be as like satisfying, like in terms of Champions League culture, as like knocking out, you know, an Inter Milan or something, for example, who's European royalty. But yeah, I I really don't want to come up against Kylian Mbappe and. You know, that's, that's all due respect to freaking Mbappe because we've got one of the best defenses there are, and I still am like, oh, I don't want to play against them at all. Um, so it's just, you know, an elite team uh, with an elite atmosphere and one of the best players in the world up front, so that's really who we don't want to play. Um, but you know what I will say about each of these seven teams that we have just named, and I feel like I've kind of come to this realization after we've named all of them. I think we can beat every one of these teams. I think we could knock all of these teams out of the Champions absolutely, League. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. If, if we don't, I'm very confident in saying this. If we do not make it to the round of 16, it ain't on the team that knocked us out. It's going to be on us. It's going to be our fault because we're better than all of these teams. So if, if it falls through, if we, if we fluff it, it's probably, probably our fault. Um, but yeah, PSG is a team I don't want to play the most. Um, and then Inter... I kind of already said it, so I'm not going to uh, repeat myself, but I just feel like they're kind of the Italy of national teams at the moment. They just they feel like a team to me that's like nobody really expects anything from them, really, but they're like sneakily going to be able to slither their way through to the quarterfinals. I don't know why I just see that coming to fruition, but maybe it's just vibes. I don't know. I have no stats or anything to back it up. I just That's just the way I'm feeling. You know, um, so Mac, I'll pass it over to you because I was just talking to Bert. So who are your bottom two, my man? 
Well, um, the name that you expected to hear by now, Dan. Like you forgot, and he hasn't even talked about yeah. fucking Harvey Leipzig. Well, yet. see, this like, is this is the thing. the 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 bottom yeah. two teams you expected were not RB Leipzig and PSG. However, they are my bottom two. Um, and I'll spoil it for you, boys. RB Leipzig are not two. <laughs> this is. This is my batshit take of the century. You and are, dude. Are you just like a? Are you German? Listen, man, what's wrong uh, with you? I do have German ancestry, but it's not. Right, we we need we need more disagreements no, on no, this podcast. No, no, like, no. And Matt Johnson I'm glad, has decided. I'm he's glad I'm be the providing clown. here. Listen, we know we've got some hot takes that come from me. My Eddie and Ketia one will live in infamy with this podcast. But let me explain myself. And again, it's a lot of it's just based on the eye test of what I've seen. Um. PSG are perennial Champions League chokers. They are a shit away day. They have Kylian Mbappe. I understand that. However, they're relying on like Warren, Zaire, Emery, and Vitinha to carry their midfield. Their defense, though they've recruited a very aging Milan Skriniar and are still relying on Marquinhos to score more goals than most of their attack. Um, Usman Dembele doesn't necessarily scare me. Randall Kolomuani doesn't scare me at all, um, which might be a hot take. They are, in essence, an unbelievably fun team. I think they are not unbeatable. I think that we have a really good chance to stun them, actually. Um, uh, I, to be fair, I don't think it would, I don't think it would be stunning them. I, I think uh, we fair. we'd be the okay. favorites. It, it, but, yeah. it, Nah, nah, but you could imagine them turning up as arrogant pricks and us just well, doing they a job do, on and them. That's, yeah. And that's why they suck. They weren't good in the group stage. There were a couple of group stage matches where they really should not have scored the goals that they scored and gotten away with the things that they got away with and did. They show up and believe they are the best players on the field, and oftentimes they're proven wrong in that aspect in a lot of ways. So I, I like it when Arsenal plays underdogs, I'll be honest. I think my least favorite thing is when we come into a match arrogant and underestimate our opponent. Um, I think that's one of our biggest weaknesses as a team right now. And I think against PSG that wouldn't happen. I think against Leipzig there's a chance of it. But let me actually talk about the reasons why I have them won. Um, It's because I saw them play City. And I don't mean this in terms of, yes, they lost to City twice. I recognize that. But, like, bear with me. I saw them dominate city i saw them play them off the map i saw zaver schlager shout out former wolfsburg guy you know and elax moriba and emil forsberg give city aneurysms in the midfield luisa penda scares the life out of me chavi simons who diced us up when we got eliminated against psv last year scares the life out of me i love him it actually says something that he wears chavi and i don't mind that as his name but, like, scares me. Danny Olmo, unfortunately, is unfit. I really like watching him play. They've got Benjamin Shesko, that kid who was really heavily linked to United a year ago, who's been ramming in the goals for them. They've got Werner again. They've got him cooking. Frankly, I think they're we can score against them. I'm not worried about that. But they are young. They are hungry. And they are a team that tends to go really far in the Champions League until they play City, um, which is, you know, fine, good, whatever. But... Typically, their pattern is they get first or second in their group stage and then absolutely play teams off the pitch until they come up against Manchester City. It's happened the last three years. And whether it's history, whether it's youth, 
whether it's the fact they're coached by Marco Rosa, who's literally one of my favorite managers, like uh, there's few people I admire more. I think they have a unique combination of speed and flair and just unpredictability that could really undo a lot of what we try to do in games. They are not a team that is easily controlled, but they're also not a team that struggles against a low block. And I'm worried that our like hybrid press is really going to fail against a style of theirs that's very transitional, but that capitalizes on speed and on essentially moving teams apart to create chances through the middle. Um, I know that's like a basic tenet of football, but essentially I've watched them a lot of them this year. And a lot of what I've seen has really scared me in the context of how we tend to approach European nights, um, which I think honestly, you know, call it a hot take, but I, I hope that is a more reasoned argument than what you were expecting. I would like to clarify. No, no, no. I love the Bundesliga. This is not my German bias coming. This is not me being Bundesliga teams the best because they're not. Historically, they're not. But I truly think that of these seven teams, RB Leipzig kind of have the most X factors, have them have the capability to create the most chaos. And as a team that thrives on control, that scares me. So that is so that is so the, do you that is, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, do you think Leipzig's maybe one of those teams that you know, we've we've been asking this question a couple times this season where Arsenal will go into a match. I think of the Fulham one in particular, and I know it's comparing Leipzig to Fulham, by the way. But do you think it's one of those teams we could come up against and maybe be that little bit complacent and then we get humbled a bit? That's my fear. And again, if you, realistically, if you look at these seven teams, PSG are the hardest match. But I'm not rating it off of what I think is the hardest match. I'm rating it off of which is the thing that the, the, the thing that I think we are the most likely to lose based off of our history and the things we've done in Europe, especially under Arteta. You know, we don't necessarily have the greatest track record. Um, and yes, our home performances have been inspiring, but there's a chance for an away day to kind of unwrite all of that. And the team I find genuinely most likely for us to come up short against is probably Leipzig. So, so the reason, uh, Bert, I'll let you get in here in a sec, but my, my main reason, though, for PSG, and Mac, I do, that, that was a great argument for Leipzig. I wasn't expecting that much of quality, to be fair. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say German team, good. Um, but PSG just always seemed like one of these teams where it'll just be like a game where it seems like they're maybe not quite at the level of the opposition then you go play them in Paris and it's like, oh, well, PSG 4-0, you know, just like out of nothing. Like, what? <laughs> you know, um, and I'm just not so sure, even if it was like 2-0, 3-0 in Paris. And then let's say it went back to the Emirates, for example, or wh whatever, whatever. Um, I'm not sure we could overcome that with our firepower at the moment. So that's what scares me about PSG is and why they're the team I don't want to play the most is I just feel like they could score a lot of goals. Luis Enrique is their manager. He's an ultra attacking manager. And it scares the crap out of me that they've got like the best forward in football up front. I mean, I know we're just regurgitating the same thing, saying in Pape's name over and over and over again. But I mean, you know, we talk about Holland all the time before we play Man City. So we have to be saying in Pape's name too. Um, Rob, anything to chime in with, with regards to this chat? No, I, I think it's an impressive argument that, that Mark Johnson has made there. I'll give it to him. I will say that, you know, <clears throat> I think uh, I'm going to sound very big-headed here and perhaps if 
if more rival fans listen to our podcast, this this is the kind of thing that would be clipped up. But I do want to say this season we are much better at controlling football matches than Manchester City are, like or like way way better than them. You just have to look at the the, the Villa games to to testify to that. Um, so as much as I, I I I do think Mac that if a team can give City a run for their money, it's usually a good indication that they can also do the same to Arsenal. I think we're slightly better at City at containing these matches at the moment that, that do get a bit chaotic so I'd still have confidence um, I think yeah I think we more so what we've been able to talk about with our lack of knowledge of, of continental f- football between Dan and I I think it's a lot of these intangible things and I, I think it's obvious why we've sort of gone towards the the, the being scared of the the big names, the historically big grounds. So yeah, it's useful that Mac has been able to chime in with some actual uh, sort of football analysis because yeah, it's been seriously lacking. I should clarify, <laughs> I, am, I am terrified of Kylian Mbappe. Like, let that not go by the wayside. I'm really scared of that guy because uh, he's good at soccer. But also, one more note. PSG play an open game. Very hot tech. Yeah. As Daniel noted, PSG do play an open game, and we tend to thrive against teams that give us space. So that's, you know, holding my hands up. I had reasonings. Very true. I'll, I'm, I'll be honest. I, I don't want to say I don't agree with myself. It's very obvious that there's a good chance I'm wrong about this. This is just how I feel. No, I mean, and, but look, yeah. I, think this, I think this was a good discussion because um, just to touch on what Rob was saying about him and I maybe not knowing as much about the European game, I think these intangibles are just so valid, especially with a team like ours, man. I, I, again, an emotional team. You know, if, if you're this young Arsenal squad and you're coming up against Inter Milan and you're going to the San Zero, oh my gosh, they've won the Champions League before oh my gosh they're top of syria all this you know whatever definitely that's that's worth noting i mean i mean for sure it definitely is um but but yeah no the, the obviously the football on the pitch is equally um valid but i think in in these round of 16 games it's it's always just such a toss-up because yes the football's relevant but that emotion is too man how many times have i i know i keep name dropping them but how many times have real madrid won the Champions League while they're not the best team in the world. You know what I mean? Like, Man City have been the best team in the world for a while, right? They just won the Champions League. They just won because it's a lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure, especially if you've never won it. And guess what? As all of our listeners will know, sadly, we've never done so. So it's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on us. Um... And and yeah, I, I will say oh, yeah. on on the like intangible argument, like people who've read my like articles historically and heard me on this podcast will know, like I I don't like intangible arguments in football. Like I don't like it when I've what well for example like recently at the weekend when whenever we've seen Manchester United get bad and it pans to Roy Keane and he said and he says oh these players have no passion and he's not talking taking any account for the fact that, you know, Ten Hag is completely out of his depth tactically at the moment. I, I hate it when I when I see that. But I think in this context, you've got 
a team that probably in, in world football is influenced more than others in Arsenal Football Club by, by the intangibles. Uh, our players are phased by these kind of things and we're also talking about the most emotional tournament in world football. So I think really it has to be a, a, towards the top of agenda when, when you're talking about things. But obviously um, good to hear the, the other side of the argument as well. And I think with that in mind, Leipzig would move up a little bit for me, uh, maybe above. Yeah, I, I'm not that scared of Inter. I know, Dan, you are just because of the San Siro, but I look through that team and I'm not that scared. And yeah, same goes for Lazio and yeah, the rest of the teams we spoke about. Leipzig probably move slightly up for me. But um, yeah, it's been a, a, a nice balanced argument. I agree. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, and again, with Inter, it's just those intertangibles. God, I hate myself. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you. Got a boo for that one from Rob. Uh, hey, but um, All right, folks. That's it. We're done with the show. No, okay. <laughs> um, let me ask you this then. A couple more quick fire questions to each of you, and then we'll draw to a close. We've been going for a while. Um, it's been a good, solid podcast. Super excited for the round of 16. I'm all... I'm just going to ask each of you the same questions real quick. I've, I've got two that I've had in mind uh, since since we started the show. Uh, Mac, I'll come to you. Um, so so I'm just going to go with your bottom two. So your bottom two were PSG and Leipzig, right? So those are the guys that you want to play the, the very least. Um, if we were to draw either one of those, okay, and we got knocked out. Okay. Is that a failure? Well, fucking, of course, it's a failure. Like, I don't, I, not just in terms of the any up, any one of those teams that, there. Yeah, it's, we failed. And, and, and listen, yeah. okay. I under I understand it's PSG or whatever it might be. I don't care with the quality that this team has, with our ability to win games against pretty much anyone in the world at this point. Right? For us not to advance into the later stages of a competition that. Frankly, I believe we have a top five chance among teams in the world of winning. Not advancing beyond the round of 16 in our first season back sucks. Like, firmly, I will unequivocally say that's a failure because we're better than that. We, frankly, last year's team would have been better than that. Arguably, our squad of two seasons ago should have advanced past the round of, could probably have advanced past the round of 16 in the Champions League. Um... Not to say that it's a small stepping stone or anything like that, but that is an unequivocal yes for me. Um, if we genuinely lose over two legs to any of these teams, it's like, like I guess with PSG, you can at least say it's borderline understandable because they're very good, but at the same time, we shouldn't be losing to them, especially if we, if we get the chance to bring them to the Emirates, we should not be losing to them. I look, I think I agree. Um, I, I just spring this question because I think Arsenal fans have a really funny habit of making excuses for our teams. Um, we really like to try to blame things that are outside of our control um, a lot. I feel like Arsenal, fan, uh, every team complains about referees. That's fine. Feels like Arsenal fans do it a lot. Um, round of 16. Well, we always draw Bayern Munich, we always draw Barcelona. And it's always excuses. You know, so I want to get this written down. I want to get this in paper that if we get knocked out, 
by any of these seven teams, it is a categorical failure, according to the Arsenal Cannon podcast, folks. Um, no excuses. No excuses. Obviously, apart from the inevitable referee blunt, but other than that, no excuses. Um, and then just uh, just for, for another one, what uh, – uh, Rob, we'll come to you first on this one because I know you just had the same answer as Mac um, as, as, uh, as it regarded to it being a failure. Um, what do you think – just give me a percentage, one to a hundred. What is the likelihood of us progressing to the round of sixteen in your in your mind? How how confident of it are you? I'm not, and I know we haven't even been drawn. I know that, but how are you feeling just ahead of it? How confident do you feel about Arsenal making it to the quarterfinals? Oh, it has to be way up there. You you look at as we've said throughout this podcast. You look at that list of teams, and you know. The Arsenal Football Club, barring a, a massive injury crisis before we get to this uh, fixture, we can beat every single one of those teams. And I, I want to say that we can beat them all comfortably. Um, I'm going to say it's... A, but we also know that Arsenal are also capable of bozo moments. So I'm going to say it's a, it's a good 80-85. Uh, it's high. Um but yeah, obviously, and and I do want to say, like, obviously, categorical failure. But if if Kylian Mbappe drops an all-timer sort of two-legged display, I don't think that, that there's too much you can do about that. But apart from that, it's a categorical failure. And, and, and by that, all time, and by all time, uh -huh. I mean literally. Had uh, trick in both games. Yeah, like one yeah. for the, <laughs> the ages that people are going to watch for years to come, which he is capable of, obviously. But yeah, right. And uh, Mac, uh, you got a number. My number was eighty-two, so I don't know if you had one. That's uh, that's probably a good number. Well, um, I never ask me for numbers. I think is a lesson I learned last year when we uh, asked. Well, not last year, last season when I was asked for my confidence rates ahead of, I forget the specific set of fixtures, but it was like the Southampton game that we drew. And I think it was the West Ham game that we lost and a couple of other shitters, right? Basically the ones that guaranteed we wouldn't win the title. Um, I was asked the week before those, what I rated our chances of success to win the title, given that we were, I think eight points clear or five points clear, whatever it was at the time. I said something like 85% to 90%. Um, and I, you know, maybe I should just hedge my bets. I think I'm comfortable with a cool 80, um, but only because, you know, we could get football. Variation exists in the game of football, soccer, whichever. Uh, there's always the chance for a refereeing mistake or for a Bozo red card. And also consider that this next round is in, I forget, it's February, isn't it, right? Like, there's a lot of time between now and then for the status of things to change at the club. And that's kind of my one... Rob was giggling a little bit when I said something along the lines of an unequivocal failure. And I suppose that's the reason it wouldn't be unequivocal is because between now and then there's the chance that things could absolutely go to shit. We'd have a bunch of injuries, whatever the game happens, right? Things can change. Things can blow up. But if you were to look at our squad currently, our tactics currently, just like right now in the snapshot of this Arsenal team, even with the injuries we have, I think it's an easy 80% chance. I'm, I would like to say more, but I'm hedging my bets because of prior experience with that exact thing. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm superstitious. I don't like jinxing things. So, yeah. Uh, but look, man, I mean, look, this is the first, first time we've been in the Champions League in years. And I think it's the first time we've, you know, 
been able to confidently say a number that high in years. So so times are good at the moment for us. And um, I think that's a good positive note to go out on. Uh, there were no candid concerns. There were no explosive moments or anything in this show, folks. It was just a good old, regular, non-structured discussion. Um, so we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we've got Brighton at the Emirates this coming Sunday in a game that your boy can actually watch. Um, so we'll definitely be sure to get an episode out after that happens. Um, which, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a really important game because we have to bounce back to form after a really disappointing loss um, away to Aston Villa. It's just been a really tough, tough few days, though, man. I mean, Luton, I, I, I know, it's, I know sounds so silly because Luton's not a great team, but very hostile, tight ground, very difficult atmosphere. Then Villa away, then we had PSV away, and I know it was a dead rubber game, but still it's PSV for crying out loud. Um, so now back home against Brighton, who's they're no they're not slouches by any stretch of the imagination, but surely we've got to get back to winning ways, and, and we hope we could do so, so we can provide you another positive podcast um and i think that's how we're going to draw this bad boy to a close so without further ado i will bring it back to mr newcastle himself for the marketing opportunity of a lifetime um don't hold your breath ladies and gentlemen uh but i i am gonna write an article tomorrow i think i've got a free day so i'm uh, can't make total promises but i'm gonna try and make it happen and i'm also gonna just uh draw everyone's attention to a tweet i saw from afc james earlier and the tweet just simply read um eddie and ketia is older than kai havertz um just thought it's uh, quite a crazy fact that one to, to add to that list julian alvarez is older than erling holland you're welcome wow i thought i thought alvarez so many was like wild nine. Ones. i thought alvarez so was 14 Dang. Oh, man, that's not great for Eddie, is it? <laughs> oh, dude. Um, well, that is a good good, good point. Now, look at that little fun fact from your boy uh, Newcastle over there. Um, but unlike Newcastle, Burt will continue to be under the spotlight um, on the grandest stage of them all. But this grandest stage of them all is the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. By the way, Newcastle United, just to let everyone know, along with Manchester United, are out of the like um mac marketing opportunity uh two english teams have been eliminated from the champions league for the first time in history in the qualifying stage which is super fun um that's not a marketing opportunity of a lifetime my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is a little more local to me charlotte fc the mls team have just announced their new manager former aston villa coach rob's darling dean smith i know you love dean smith rob worthington or Newcastle, as I should say. And if you have the time, go look at his announcement on Twitter and go look at the contract that they have him signing. The Charlotte FC social media team have done a brilliant job just kind of giving us a little Easter egg in their contract announcement. Uh, really enjoyed that one as well. So that's my marketing opportunity. Yeah. Very very cryptic because I've got absolutely no clue what the Easter egg is and, I, and I'll never know. So there's that. You'll have to tell me post-show. Um, you know, it's funny because I ask everyone to give a marketing opportunity of a lifetime, and I never have one. Um, so I guess I will just market. We love you, Austin. Um, 
not very many articles going on there these days, but do feel free to to check it out. Um, also, you should, you guys should also really check out this really really cool thing. Um, so if you go, it's this really uh, this really niche app. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called Spotify. Um, if you go on Spotify and type in Arsenal Cannon Podcast and the page comes up, there's actually a little star up there. If you click that and you click the fifth star, not the fifth star reading from the right, the fifth star reading from the left, that is, and you just click that, something really cool will happen. Okay, um, just watch. Seriously, I'm not lying. This is not fake news or anything. If you go there and you click five stars on the Arsenal Cannon podcast, anywhere that you podcast, something really cool will happen to you. Like something magical will land in your mailbox. Hey guys, hey guys, I'm not farming for likes, but Twitter has a new like animation. You guys should really check this out. <laughs> same energy. That's the same energy I was trying to give. Exactly, man. I love you. It. You get me. You got me. Please, folks, leave a review. Show all your cool uncles. We appreciate you for coming on. And then, Rob, um, as everybody knows, I have killed the bit. I do not do the whole rhyming thing anymore. AFC Max 9 doesn't think it's funny, and he's the only judgment I care about because he's the only listener of the show. Um, so I'll just let you take it away. You know what I want you to say. It has to do with music. Just just say it. It's, I don't care. It's, we need a song, and it's going to be Let It All Hang today because the listeners haven't heard oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to say highest in the room by Travis Scott because we've topped our Champions League group. Okay, we can, well, it's going to be pretty clever. We can also let it all hang. No, no, but, no. The listeners need to be kept waiting. I just thought right. it'd been too long, but it's well, actually listen, really kept waiting. Listen, we got to keep them. We got to keep them on tenterhooks so that we can get them yep. on episode 200 when Alfie wants yep. it the least. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's actually really clever, too, because we were in the Netherlands and get it high, get it. <laughs> nice. Drugs. We just caught him. All right, folks. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is the final episode of the Arsenal Cannon podcast. Um, so we will never see you again. And until then, enjoy this. <laughs> enjoy the song and uh, bye. She filled my mind up with ideas. I'm nice in the room. Hope I make it out of here. She saw my eyes, she know I'm gone I see some things that you might fear I'm doing a show, I'll be back soon That ain't what she wanna hear Now I got it in my room Legs wrapped around my beard Got the fastest car to zoom Hope we make it out of here When I'm with you, I feel alive Say you love me, don't you lie Don't cry, my heart don't wanna die Keep the pistol on my side Cases fumes She fill my mind up with ideas I'm the highest in the room Hope I make it out of here We ain't stressing about the loot My block made a case for real This not the molly, this the boat Coming back from here Little life a lot familiar It's so much gain that I can't see her Turn it up till they can't hear Running, running around for the thrill
fill my mind up with ideas Cases fumes She fill my mind up with ideas I'm the highest in the room Hope I make it out of here